You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. This is a victory Wednesday. It's also game day. The Timberwolves play a back-to-back, a home back-to-back, finally, uh, with another game Wednesday night against Toronto. Uh, but tonight we're talking about the Charlotte Hornets uh the, the Timberwolves' victory over the Charlotte Hornets at Target Center on Tuesday it was an overtime win, a massive game for Carl Anthony Towns. I want to talk about just how good he was in this game and, and how much the Wolves really defied the odds. They shot the ball terribly from really everywhere on the floor in this game. The defense wasn't very good, and still they somehow ended up pulling away in overtime and winning this game. There's a ton to talk about. Uh, first of all, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every single day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, so setting this game up, um, the Timberwolves are finally relatively healthy. I mean, everybody was available in this game for Minnesota. All, all rotation players, the Hornets, are relatively healthy. All their best players were available. Um, obviously, no Gordon Hayward. But uh, besides that, I mean, they're, they're four of their top five scorers available. Um, and of course, the new, the big trade deadline acquisition of Montrez Harrell playing in his, uh, what, his third game with the Hornets. And... I mean, LaMelo Wall versus Anthony Edwards was kind of the headliner in this game. Unfortunately, Anthony Edwards sprained his ankle uh, at some point in the second quarter, was kind of limping towards the end of the quarter, came out with about a minute to play in the first half and headed to the locker room early, came out, tried to warm up at halftime again to come back out, but ultimately did not return. Although he stayed on the bench, didn't look like he was in that bad of shape, although he had been noticeably limping in the second quarter. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he plays Wednesday, second night of a back-to-back, and maybe this was a situation where it was like, hey, let's just shut him down, see if he can go Wednesday. But of course, he's supposed to play in the Rising Stars game on Friday night. One would think if he doesn't play Wednesday, there's no way he plays in that exhibition Friday night. Um, and then he's got, of course, the All-Star weekend to rest up uh, before the second, the unofficial second half of the season starts next week. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. And, and that's kind of that was kind of the subhead of this game, right? The, the, one of the key takeaways overall was that Anthony Edwards only played 18 minutes in the first half, didn't play at all in the second half. And the Wolves still ended up scoring 126 points and winning. Um, so at any rate, the way this game started, the Timberwolves came out with a ton of energy. Of course, there was the whole D'Angelo Russell quote from last week, uh, going into this last road trip about how, you know, Timberwolves fans need to stand up. They need to be loud, et cetera. Um, that whole thing. I, I talked about it a little bit on the show at the time. And basically, uh, D'Lo's not wrong. Uh, Minnesota uh, Timberwolves fans, you don't need, need me to tell you what Timberwolves fans have gone through. If you're a listener, a regular listener to this podcast, I mean, if you're a Timberwolves fan, period, you, you know. Um, and, and so D'Lo did the thing where he paid for, I think, a 250 tickets or so for fans to come to the game. And everybody, it was encouraging everybody to stand. And it seems as though, I mean, that happened for the most part. There was a ton of energy in the building early. The Timberwolves responded. They got down 5 nothing, and then went on a big run. They are up double digits in the first quarter. Uh, but then the energy kind of waned a little bit. The Timberwolves bench struggled as we got into the second quarter. The defense was active early in the game, but then uh, that kind of went away pretty quickly. And, and then the Hornets were just missing shots. So the Wolves were able to kind of keep that lead into the second quarter. 
Um, but then the Hornets all of a sudden became far more physical than the Timberwolves and the Timberwolves bench could not keep up at all in the second quarter. The Hornets ultimately took a two possession lead in a halftime. I think it was a, a six point lead at halftime. Um, and, and thankfully there was a good run at the end of the second quarter. The Wolves were down double figures midway through the second and it just kind of felt like, okay, the energy peaked early now it flatlined and, and maybe that's it. But there was a nice a nice push right before halftime that got Minnesota back to within six. There was some controversy with some officiating. Flag, or a, I guess it was a dead ball technical on Towns for an incidental, accidental kick uh, to the midsection groin area on Montrez Harrell. Uh, another, there was a just a little bit of weird controversy there. There was a Towns three-pointer where he did the leg kick out thing. But uh, I think it was Harrell also crashed into his hip and the Hornets challenge thought it should have been a an offensive foul. Well, Towns did begin to kick his leg out. Harold crashed directly into Towns, essentially his torso just ran into him. So obviously it was a foul. Anyway, there was just kind of a lot of stuff going on at the end of the first half. This was a six point game at halftime. Second half, we saw a lot of coaching adjustments and James Brego is a really good coach. Obviously Chris Finch is too. And the Hornets were just far more aggressive and physical in the second half. That that kind of continued. The Timberwolves tried putting Jaden McDaniels on LaMelo Ball. Ball didn't have a huge first half, but he was very good. Uh, second half, really kind of third, early fourth quarter. Not as good down the stretch. She ultimately fouled out. Uh, but but LaMelo Ball was, I mean, was really kind of making life difficult for the Timberwolves backcourt defensively. Um, the Wolves tried McDaniels on him. He struggled to stay in front of LaMelo Ball, but the length still obviously bothered him. Uh, Chris Finch tried going to Jalen Noel, who hadn't been in the rotation here of late in the third quarter to provide an offensive punch. He played pretty well in, in just six minutes. Um, and the Hornets kind of kept adjusting their offense. They tried Montrez Harrell going directly at Nas Reed when Nas was on the floor. That mostly worked for Charlotte. The Timberwolves could not stop what the Hornets were doing def- offensively in dribble handoff action in the middle of the floor. Um, Minnesota tried going to switching concept uh, in pick and roll game and dribble handoff situations that worked towards the end of the game for Minnesota. Um, and, and maybe because they were a little more tired, but it, whatever that concept actually worked for Minnesota. We hadn't seen that working a lot of late for them when they started adding switching to their pick and roll arsenal um, and how they guard ball screens. Um, but uh, much better for Minnesota in that category late in the game. The Timberwolves just ran offensively a ton of pick and roll early in this game, middle pick and rolls for a huge chunk of the game. The offense got more creative late. And I want to talk more about that here in key takeaways. But Charlotte did a really good job of trying to take away Carl Anthony Towns' drives. Remember, the Wolves have been, the the whole season has kind of been this cat and mouse with Towns. And actually, I want to save this for next segment. So I want to talk about why Towns was so good in this game. Um, what Towns was doing earlier this season, how teams have countered that, how the Wolves have then countered the counter by moving Towns around offensively, and what what worked in this game for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, the short answer is everything. He was phenomenal in this game. So I want to basically spend a, a few minutes with just kind of an ode to, to the game that Carl Anthony Towns had here in a minute. Late in this game, uh, it was sloppy. There were a lot of turnovers for Minnesota. They eventually kind of overtook the Hornets down the stretch. I don't just want to go play by play, but basically Towns hit a big three, put the Wolves on top after they'd been trailing for basically since early in the second quarter. I don't I don't think they'd had a lead until they were, you know, it was down six with a couple minutes to play. Uh, Towns hit a three. A couple possessions later, he hits another three to put Minnesota up one. He gets a block on the other end, then comes down, pump fakes the three, hits a tough floater from about 12 feet out. Um, and offensive rebounding down the stretch for Towns was phenomenal. Defensive rebounding was great. The Hornets, for some reason, then played a zone, and Towns hit another three-pointer as the Wolves were trying to pull away. But Minnesota just didn't make enough free throws, and we'll talk more about that too. Um, and uh, that was part of the issue. The Hornets end up tying the game. The Wolves actually had a chance in a tie game with nine seconds left 
to, uh, to to try and win the game at the buzzer, but for whatever reason, they they ran a really high, too too stretched out pick and roll, uh, and D'Lo essentially just shot a contested, I don't know, thirty footer basically, uh, that was an air ball at the end of regulation. The Wolves in overtime, um, it, more of the same, just more aggressiveness. Patrick Beverly phenomenal defensively, denying catches, uh, you know, d- denying uh, the ball getting back to ball, I guess, before ball fouled out. Um, just doing a really good job on the perimeter. Um, and uh, free throws again almost cost the Wolves. D'Angelo Russell missed a couple of big ones in overtime, but ultimately it was enough. And uh, this was just a really fun game. Uh, what started out as energetic and then really kind of ugly for a lot of the first and second quarter, a lot of turnovers, sloppy offense for Minnesota, shoddy defense from both teams. Charlotte just missed, well, both teams missed a ton of open shots. The shooting percentages are not sexy, but because the pace of the game was so incredibly fast, there were a ton of possessions, which is why the scoring ended up pretty high. And it was fun to watch. I mean, you're talking about two of the, the teams that play the fastest in the league. The Wolves coming into this game were fourth in pace. And I'm pretty sure Charlotte was was even faster than that. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, uh, yeah, Charlotte was first in pace coming into this game. The Timberwolves were fourth. So a lot of possessions, a lot of sloppy possessions, but just a fun game to watch uh, nonetheless. Um, okay, next I want to do key takeaways. I, I've got a couple of pretty big ones, really just two big ones in this one that I, that I want to spend most of our time on. First, though, let's talk about our friends, uh, of course, over at, at Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA specifically? Then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players in an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made at prize picks in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Uh, there's a ton of different options. You can do cross uh, mixed sport entries. So for instance, Super Bowl Sunday, you could have taken the Timberwolves, the matinee game against the Pacers. You could have taken the Towns over on points and... Uh, the Matthew Stafford over on interceptions, which you would have hit on that. I'm, I'm pretty confident on that. Um, but you could you could pick mixed sport entries on any night of the week. Um, take the over on player one, take the under on player two, or whatever that might be. It's not just NBA, of course, college basketball, college football. Now that NFL's over, uh, obviously, so it's college football. But MLB coming up soon, soccer, MMA, and more. Uh, for a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive, exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Users get $50 for free if a player is in your first Price Picks entry ever, scores a single point. All you need to do is use code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to listeners at Locked On. Sign up today. Use code NBA $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point. All right, one more thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. A reminder to make your second listen, Locked On Now. The Locked On Now podcast has nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, let's talk about key takeaways from this one. A couple. Number one, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, what do you say about Carl Anthony Towns and how good he's been playing lately? Um, I've done this a couple games ago. It was one of the Kings games, I think that I just kind of like talked about his game log, essentially. It's just been phenomenal. This is one of the best extended runs of his career, no doubt, on both ends of the floor. He's been solid defensively as well. Um, 
But in this game, 39 and 15, 39 points, 15 rebounds, 12 of 26 shooting, 11 of 13 at the free throw line, four of 11 outside the arc. This is one of the few games this season where I actually thought Towns got a mostly fair whistle. Um, He got to the line 13 times. We haven't seen him get to the line more than four times in a game. Believe it or not, you have to go back six games, five games in between. He shot four or less free throws in a game. So, I, I mean... Plus, he also shot 11 threes. I mean, it was the best of both worlds, which is how you get to 39 points, is you shoot 11 threes at high efficiency, making four of them, and you also do damage in the paint on the glass and attempt 13 free throws. This is why, in a in a nutshell, why Carlton Towns is one of the best players in the league and such a, a generational talent offensively. He didn't get that many post touches in this game. In fact, I don't even know that, he, that they ever threw the ball to him in the post. This was mostly face-up opportunities, it was getting him in the middle of the floor, and then it was on the offensive glass, um, a little bit kind of secondary break in transition where he's kind of the trailer comes. He scored a couple times getting downhill on a play like that, uh, but he wasn't getting many post touches. That's just not how the Wolves have been using him lately. And Charlotte was really trying to take away the middle of the floor. Um, earlier this season, Towns was touching the ball a lot in the low post. Teams were double teaming him, forcing the ball out of his hands. The Wolves weren't making enough perimeter threes. Towns was turning the ball over too much. It's one of the reasons this offense was so clunky early in the year. The Wolves adjusted. They started to use him more at the elbows. Uh, teams couldn't really trap him as much or double him as effectively at the elbows, but Towns was still turning it over a little bit too much. And then he got more and more face-up opportunities. And that's where we've been at the last few weeks. And part of the reason he's been playing so well because teams have to respect the three-point shot. They play up on him. He drives past them. He's, I think, first or second in the league in drives per game from a big man. Um, I think it's him and Joel Embiid, basically, who get the ball on the perimeter and drive to the basket. Towns should be more effective than Embiid because he's such a better three-point shooter than Embiid. Um, so Towns should always be able to get past whoever's guarding him um, on the perimeter because typically it's a big um, if it's somebody that's smaller, then he gets into the post. Um, now, obviously, then teams bring the double, and it's it's a chess match, right? But we've seen this. I mean, he hasn't shot a lot of threes lately, but if players play off of him to try and to to be worried about the drive, Towns could just shoot a three pointer at forty at a forty percent clip. I mean, last game he only had one three point attempt. You have to go back to uh, the last time Towns attempted more than four three-pointers in a game was January 28th. That's almost three weeks ago, and that was the loss uh, on the road to the Suns. Um, Since then, it's four or less three-point attempts per game because teams are so worried about him shooting the three, and he's been playing on the perimeter more often, which has led to more drives. Um, Now, a couple things. It's also partly why he's not getting to the free-throw line as much because— it's just, I think it's the speed of a man that big going towards the rim and officials are not seeing that he's being fouled apparently. Um, and then also it's led to an increase in overall scoring for him and a, de- a decrease in three-point shooting. The flip side of that is in a game like this, when teams are worried about the drive and they play off of him, what does Towns do? He knocks down four threes on 11 attempts. That's what, 36% from the field uh, just in this game alone. And he scores 39 points because he can still drive past you. And giving him the ball in the perimeter, you're avoiding the double team. You can't double him. Now, teams are trying to have somebody slide in and take a charge, slide in and trap him as he gets into the paint. But Towns has actually been really smart. I don't think he's been called for any passing crash charges or anything reckless going to the basket. I mean, he typically gets in trouble when he's got a small on him in the post or he's trying to fight through a double team and he's hooking guys. But going straight line to the basket, Towns has been much, much better this year, or really the last couple of years, at passing out of that and avoiding the charge or going to the side, veering off to the side, maybe getting a blocking foul. He's so good at going to either side of the basket 
and not charging straight down the center of the lane. And this was a clinic. If you go back and watch all of his possessions, it's a wonderful mix of three-point attempts, of drives, of scoring and offensive rebounds, of just generally being dominant. Um, and Towns was that in this game. He was solid defensively, um, 15 boards in a game. The Wolves were like a minus 15 on the glass early in the third quarter. And they ended up only, I think, losing the, the battle on the glass by what, three rebounds in this game? Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, four rebounds. There were minus four on the glass for the game. But Towns and Jared Vanderbilt, were amazing uh, in that regard and, and really are what kind of kept the Wolves uh, in this thing, um, certainly when it comes to rebounding. So my first takeaway is just Carl Anthony Towns. And, and and that actually is a good segue into my next point, which is just Chris Finch and Chris Finch pushing the right buttons. He did that with Carl Anthony Towns in this game, moved him around. He's been doing that of late. I mean, Finch is the one he came into came into Minnesota thinking I'll use Towns similar to what we did in Denver. Of course, he was a coach with the Nuggets several years back. Jokic's first couple of years in the league, you know, we could put him in the mid post. We can do a few different things with him here. He can pass the ball really well. He can step out and shoot the three. He could back people down into the low post, um, and that works. But then because the personnel around him wasn't ideal, and because Towns he just isn't quite the passer. He isn't the passer that Nikola Jokic is. There's no question about that. Um, for a variety of factors. The Wolves said, okay, we can do more things with Towns. He also can drive the ball, put the ball on the floor and get to the basket more effectively and more fluidly, with more fluidity, I should say, than Nikola Jokic does. So uh, all that to say, not, not to get too far off of the buttons that Finch has pushed, that's what he did in this game, is he put Towns in these positions to succeed. And beyond that, this is not a game that Timberwolves had any business winning. I mean, if you didn't watch the game and you looked at the box score, you would you would be really confused how the Wolves won this game. Minnesota shot 39.5% from the field. They shot 23.6% from three. They attempted an insane 55 three-pointers in this game, and they made only 13. Even worse, they attempted 43 free throws and made only 27. That's 62.8% at the line. Towns was 11 of 13. Take Towns out of it. Ugh, it's not good. I mean, I mean, the rest of the Wolves starters, if you take Towns out, Combined to shoot, this is crazy, 12 of 24 from the free throw line, 50% from the free throw line were non-Towns Wolves starters, 12 of 24. Towns was 11 of 13 himself, and then the bench combined, uh, it was only Jaden McDaniels and Jordan McLaughlin combined to shoot, uh, what, four of six from the line. So for a team, as a team, 62.8%, you take out Towns and it's barely over 50%. Uh, they didn't have any business winning this game, if you just look at those numbers. However... Charlotte also couldn't shoot the three. They shot 24% from three, and they had a lot of open looks too. They made only eight three-pointers on the night, and they're a good three-point shooting team. When they get their looks, they generally make them, and, and they did it in this game. The Wolves were fortunate because the uh, the perimeter defense actually wasn't all that great. But beyond that, though, I mean, the the simple things, the, the rotation tweaks, um, slight offensive adjustments down the stretch. I mean, the Wolves ran a lot of, I said this earlier, a lot of middle pick and roll early in the game, a lot of just kind of spreading the floor, letting Towns go to work. But they did a couple of kind of Horns-esque sets late um, where there were some different options. They did a couple of sets where they had, uh, you know, double drag screens to try and free guys up where they had one guy popping, one guy rolling um, and having Beverly and Russell kind of alternate running the offense. Um, it was just creative enough. It, it was just enough of, uh, you know, a few different tweaks here and there to, to help the offense, you know, get something going. Because it's been the best offense in the league since January 1st in terms of offensive rating. And this was a this was a rough first really three quarters of this game for Minnesota. It was not good offensively. 
Um, the Jalen Noel thing in the third quarter, he gave them a nice little shot in the arm. Malik Beasley didn't have it on this night, uh, which I think it feels like, unfortunately, we're back to him just not having it. He only played 14 minutes. He was 0-5 shooting, missed all four of his three-pointers, missed a couple of wide-open ones. So why not give Jalen Noel a look? Um, I mean, pushing the right buttons, overcoming the Anthony Edwards injury, he didn't play after halftime, uh, the rotation tweaks, the offensive tweaks, Coach, it just getting this team to have this sense of resiliency. And, and we saw, we talked about this on Tuesday's show, Patrick Beverly is extended by a year now. He'll be back next year. I mean, Patrick Beverly is a big part of that too, right? I mean, he's a big part of that in the locker room, on the sideline, on the floor, getting the crowd pumped up, getting his teammates pumped up. Um, just the, the attitude and the overall demeanor of this team is so different from basically every Timberwolves team going all the way back to 2003, 2004. Uh, of course, the Western Conference Finals year. It's different. It just is. Um, and and Chris Finch is a huge part of that. Uh, and, and again, strategically pushing the right buttons in this game for sure. Okay, let's close the show by looking at individual studs and duds as we always do on the postgame podcast. First, though, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, uh, and, and really everything right on down to Olympic coverage this week and other information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. I talked a lot about Towns. He's obviously number one. I'll run through the numbers again. 39 and 15, 12 of 26 shooting. We'll take that. Four of 11 outside the arc. We'll take that too. A nice 11 of 13 from the free throw line. He pitched in three assists, a steal, and a block. Turned it over three times in 42 minutes and only had four, four personal fouls in 42 minutes in an overtime game. So not bad in that in that regard for Cat. Um, so he's absolutely a stud in this game. Jade McDaniels, uh, I probably could have just talked about him for five minutes as a key takeaway. He was really good. And of course, he had to step up. He was a de facto starter once Anthony Edwards went out. So he was on the floor in crunch time. Ended up playing 37 minutes in this game. So he tied for third on the team in minutes played. 18 points on 50% shooting with 7 of 14 from the field. He was only one of six outside the arc. A couple of them were kind of late shot clock heaves. Um, the one three he made was an open corner three off a nice pass from Towns. We're seeing a lot of that lately. He had a couple of, of wonderful backdoor cuts on on great passes from D'Angelo Russell. Their, their chemistry continues to improve. 7 of 14 shooting, one of six on, on three-pointers. That means he was six of eight on two-point attempts. He was also three of four at the line. Him getting to the line four times is nice to see. 18 points, six rebounds, four steals, and two blocks, plus three assists for Jaden McDaniels. He was the only bench player to have a positive plus-minus. He was a plus-seven in this game. Nobody else on the bench had a positive plus-minus. Uh, I mean, he was great. He was really good defensively. He he held his own against the mellow ball and some of the other assignments he had in this game. I mean, the Timberwolves generally did a good job uh, on the Hornets' best players. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Miles Bridges played well um, and, uh, I mean, had, what, 28 on 21 shots, seven assists, but he turned it over four times. The Wolves did an okay job on him. Terry Rozier hit a couple of big shots, but 
again, the Wolves were generally good on him. It just wasn't efficient for the Hornets. And they only played uh, eight guys in this game, too. They had a short bench. Kelly Oubre really struggled off, off the bench for them. Um, and, I mean, Jaden McDaniels, his length and his activity was a big part of that. Him pitching in on the glass, I mean, six rebounds in 37 minutes isn't a lot to write home about. But remember, he's mostly playing the three now anyway. And uh, the Timberwolves will take that. He, he was, again, active, aggressive, and effective in this game. The third stud for me, I'm actually, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to split this between Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly. Vanda was really good. 10 points, 14 rebounds. We're not seeing the gaudy steal block uh, numbers from him recently. Um, and it's the first time he's had a double-double in, in a little while. I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. But he was good. He was active. And, and 14 rebounds was massive in a game. As I said earlier, the Wolves were getting killed on the glass early in this game. Charlotte finished with 16 offensive rebounds. But a lot of that was early in this game. And uh, Minnesota really put the clamps on on the defensive glass late, and Jared Vanderbilt was a big part of that. Uh, Patrick Beverly, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Talk about stuffing the stat sheet. 5 of 12 shooting, and he was only 1 of 8 outside the arc. Uh, it just looked like he had no legs on his outside shot, and he was only 4 of 8 at the free throw line. So from an efficiency standpoint, the 15 points on 12 shots, not great for Pat Bev. But on two-pointers, he was a perfect four of four. He was just one of eight from outside the arc. He had a couple of nice floaters. He had a big shot. Uh, I think it was early in overtime um, where he he got into the paint and made a nice shot to extend the Wolves lead to a couple of possessions. He was really good defensively, had a couple of silly fouls, ended up fouling out of the game actually in overtime and, and 36 minutes played. But these are the types of games where, you know, Papev got what, the, the front end of the back-to-back -back last week off against uh, whoever they played Tuesday, Wednesday last week, uh, Sacramento. He sat out Tuesday, played Wednesday. The Wolves are going to do that with him. And who knows? Maybe he doesn't play on Wednesday, the second half of this back-to-back. -back. Maybe he does because they're headed into the All-Star break. Um, but then you can have a game like this where you really want to win it. You feel like you should win it. It's a team you should beat. Uh, you know, play him 36 minutes and then give him the night off or, or whatever you got to do to keep him healthy as much as healthy as you can. Uh, but just a phenomenal game from Pat Bev, doing a little bit of everything. And even if the shooting wasn't super efficient, at some point, that number is going to start to progress back to where it's been. Coming into this game, shooting 34% on three-pointers, easily a career worst outside the arc, and he went one of eight in this one. At some point, that's got to bounce back. I, I still am believing that that's going to happen. Duds, uh, this is an easy one again. Malik Beasley, no points in 14 minutes, 0 of 5 shooting, 0 of 4 outside the arc, couple of ugly misses. The only other stat he got in this game, one rebound in 14 minutes. No assists, no steals, no blocks. Uh, was a team worst minus 12 and it wasn't close. I mean, he was by far the worst player on the floor in this game for Minnesota. Um, and you could argue overall, it was just not a good game for Malik. We're seeing the up and down thing come back. I mean, he had those couple of really good games just prior to the trade deadline. And now uh, we're, we're swinging back the other way. So hopefully the all-star break does him some good and he can return to, to being a little bit of instant offense off the bench for Minnesota here moving forward. All right, that's all we have for you today. Of course, the Wolves play the Raptors now. They turn around and play the Raptors on Wednesday night, the last game here before the All-Star break. Uh, so Minnesota's got a chance to to make this, what, it would be eight wins out of 10 if they can beat the Raptors. Now, Toronto's been playing great of late. They were disappointing early in the season, but they've been winning a lot lately, and it's not going to be an easy game. They also did not play on Tuesday, so they'll be rested. The Timberwolves, well, the Timberwolves have been at home. At least they're sleeping in their own beds tonight. It's still a back-to-back -back for Minnesota. And it's also the last game before the All-Star break, which is always a little bit... Now, it could be the same for the Wolves and for the Raptors. Uh, you know, looking ahead... 
perhaps. Actually, no, I think Toronto has one more game after tomorrow, um, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, looking ahead to the All-Star break, that's a little bit of a dangerous proposition. Uh, the next Timberwolves game after Wednesday is the following Thursday, the 24th at home against Memphis. So the Wolves don't have to travel right after the break, uh, but there's no game for eight days after tomorrow. We'll, of course, do another postgame pod following Wolves-Raptors. That'll be Thursday's show. Friday, we'll preview the All-Star weekend and take a look at what to expect the second half, unofficial second half, we're like two-thirds of the way through the schedule. But uh, what to look at moving forward for the Wolves uh, here as we as we get towards what apparently is going to be a, a, a stretch run towards the playoffs for the Timberwolves, which we haven't been able to say in a few years. And we've only said once over the last 17 years. So uh, looking forward to, to talk about that here later in the week. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, of course. Uh, and thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. You can listen anywhere, including YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Odyssey. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Uh, also, a reminder that, of course, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Of course, the network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.